season of healing, sometimes all we see is sickness. If we're supposed to be in a season of prosperity, all we see is lack and all we see is, you know, hard thing. If we're supposed to be in seasons of blessing, all we see is not blessing, you know. And sometimes the title of the season that we're in doesn't always look like what we're going through. But what I want to share with you this morning is that God is the God of every season. Come on, can you say amen to that? Come on. He's the God of every season. He's the God of our dry season. He's the God of our seasons of confusion. He's the God of our seasons of plenty. He's the God of the seasons of drought. He's the God of the season of of prosperity and healing. He's that God of the valley. He's the same God on the mountain. Come on, can I get amen from somebody? He's that same God. He's the God of every single season. Every season. And so with that being said, I want to share with you about there was a woman in the Bible. I'm just going to keep this right here. Thank you. That was going through a season, a tough season of her life. And I want to share with you who she is in just a moment. But I'd like to have Stana come up here and sit down, please, right here in front of everybody. Give for Stana. Come on. She, you sit right in the middle. Stay in the center of Jesus. You don't know who you're going to be, do you? I texted her this morning. I said, can you be one of the characters, please, in today's illustration? And so today, Stana is going to be a young lady. She don't have a name in the Bible, but the Bible calls her just a widow woman. So this, this, you're like a little widow. You got, I'm not going to put it over your head or not like that. She's a little widow. She's got the little thing here. She looks like a little widow woman. But this widow woman was found in 2 Kings chapter 4. This woman here was going through a tough time. And in fact, her husband just passed away. Her husband served the Lord. Her husband, in fact, was connected with Elisha, the man of God, the prophet. And he was in the school of the prophets. And this woman, you had two boys. Can her two sons join her at this time? Two sons, you know who you are. I need the two sons to come quickly and sit on either side of her, please. She had two sons, one named Chris Nichols. And the other son named Alex Joseph. All right. She had two boys that she loved. And so one day, Elisha, I'm going to be Elisha. Elisha was walking through, and as he came close, this woman, I'm going to just use my imagination. I love, I love to put myself in, in Bible stories when I, when I read them because it helps me understand it and it helps bring it to life. And so as Elisha was walking through the area, here is this widow woman, and I could just see her because she's hurt. She's disappointed. Look hurt, disappointed. <laughs> she don't look very hurt or disappointed right now. But can you imagine what she's going through? She served the Lord. Her, her husband was taken out of her life. Her, her form of, of, of income came, went away. Her covering, the spiritual covering in her life, her, her husband, 
and not, not only that, her husband served in the church. Her husband was one of the prophets. Her, her husband was underneath Elijah, Elisha. Her husband served there as an assistant of Elisha. He was a servant of Elisha. And so she was confused. How could, if I've served God all of my life and all these years, how could something like this happen to me? Come on, have you ever thought, think about that for a minute? You know, I've served in the church, you know, I've, I've ministered and I've done all these things. I give my heart to the Lord, but yet I, I still experience, you know, this shipwreck. I still experience this heartache. And, and that's exactly what she's going through right here is that she never expected for her to be by herself. And not only that, now she's a single mom. Now she's trying to raise her boys. Now she's trying to give them just a good home. She's trying just to do the best she can, but she can't even do that. She can't even make ends meet. And so now she's struggling financially she's hurt she's bitter she's mad she's sola <laughs> she's a little mad she's upset she's cranky she's not happy she's she's like a little bit just ang angry not not happy with her situation come on am i getting can, can you can you understand what how she's feeling right now and here is elisha and as soon as you see elisha I don't think she was that real happy to see him, to be honest with you. I think she was, she had some, she had some hurt in her. Can I say this? That if, if people are mean to you and you serve the Lord, they're not really being mean to you. They're, they're mad, they're mad because you represent God. And so Elisha represented God to her, represent the man. He was the man of God. So and so when he came by, she was like, yeah, Elisha. Your servant, my husband, your servant is dead. Remember, he was a prophet. He served under you. He's dead. What am I supposed to do now? All those years he served you. All those years we prayed. We even prayed for healing. Do you remember that, Elisha? And come on, I'm just thinking about this. Remember we prayed? Remember you told me everything is going to be all right? You remember, you remember these things? And, and I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking, I'm thinking outside the box here because, because she's hurt. She's bitter. She don't know what to do with her life. She has no family around her to help her. But here's Elisha, the man of God coming. He's like, yeah, he's dead. What are we supposed to do now? And so Elisha is having this conversation with her. And this bad situation just got worse in her life. So she, she, he comes along to her and he asks her a question. I'm in, I'm in 2 Kings chapter 4. So she says, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons. They're coming to repossess my sons. She's about to play hide the son. Come on, somebody. Don't act like y'all never played hide the car. She's about to play hide the sun. I played hide the car before. It happens. She's playing hide the sun because she couldn't file bankruptcy. So she don't know what to do. The creditors are coming to take her boys. As slaves. Verse 2. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And then he says this. Tell me what you have in the house. And that's what God is asking us today is what do you have in the house? What do you have in the house? Too often we cry out to God and think, 
that he will just magically fix everything in our lives without putting us without us putting forth any kind of physical effort so God is asking you today what is in your house how many know that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit and so God is asking us a two-part question what is in your temple what is in your heart and what is going on in your home and that's what Elisha turned to her and said what's in your house what do you have to offer what's what's there in your home what type of atmosphere is in your house what type of atmosphere is in your mind what type of atmosphere is in your heart is your heart full of faith or is it full of fear is it full of unbelief can I say this worship changes the atmosphere in our homes we talked about worship yesterday that worship changes the atmosphere that when we praise the Lord and when we give God the praise he comes Psalm 22 and 3 says God inhabits the praises of his people and so when our homes are full of worship when our homes are full of prayer Bible reading talking about God in fact Moses told the people of Israel to do this to to tell your children about the Lord let your homes be full of the gospel can I say this we love our children's teachers and we thank God for our children's teachers but it's not their 100% responsibility to train up our children in the Lord can I get an amen somebody they have your babies if you bring them one hour per week you have them a whole lot more Bible says train up a child in the way she go parents and when it's old it shall not depart what goes on in your home do you talk about God in your home is there is what's the spiritual atmosphere in your home what's the temperature in your home of God is God talked about in your home is there worship going on in your home is what's going what's on your TV is it is it good is it preaching do you have uh, do you have uh, Billy Graham on there do you have Jensen Franklin going on there are you looking at people killing stealing cussing fighting drama what's on your television what's in your what's in your home what's in your home what happens in your home what's the atmosphere like some may feel that there's some, nothing but negativity in my home unbelief anger fighting arguing distrust pride insecurity worry fear James 3.16 says, where envy and strife are, every kind of evil is there. So what's in your house? Is there praise? Is there worship? Is there fellowship with God? Come on, is there love? Is there joy? Is there peace, patience, kindness, self-control, long-suffering? Is there, what's in your house? Is there faith? Is prayer in your house? Is spiritual warfare going in your house? And you know what the widow woman said? What did the widow woman say? Nothing. Nothing. Elisha looks at her and says, what's in your house? And she says, nothing. Ain't nothing in my house. She felt like there was absolutely nothing of any value inside of her home. There are people that feel that way. God, I ain't got nothing to offer you. God, I'm, I'm, I'm a filthy sinner. God, I, my past is no good. I, God, I don't have the right financial background. God, I don't have, God, I don't have the right education. And, you know, I don't have nothing. Can I tell you this? There is gold on the inside of each and every one of us here today. It takes some digging. It takes some searching. You know, when we're in bad situations, the first thing we want to say, there's nothing. I have nothing to offer. I have no faith. I have no worship. I have nothing good to say. 
that they have nothing to offer God. They see no value in themselves. And that's what this woman saw. She, had, she saw no value in her situation. She said, this is not good. This is never going to be good. Don't believe the lie of the devil and make you think that you're not of no value. Come on, did you hear that this morning? That God can't use you. That your past is too bad. That you're an evil person. Oh, the church will fall in on me if I come into the church. It's okay. We, these walls are brick. They won't fall down that easy. You made a mess of your life. But can I tell you what empowers the lie? What empowers the liar is when we believe the lie. God says that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. How many believe that? You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You are. You're created in the image of God. God didn't make junk. You're not a mistake. Look at somebody say, even you, you're not a mistake. Even you, you're not. So when God says, what do you have to offer? Don't say nothing. Now watch this. She, then she thinks, and she says, wait a minute. I have a jar of oil. Now watch this. In, the, in, in this text, when she said this jar of oil, it did not refer to cooking oil. In fact, this jar that she had was a jar of anointing oil. If you, if you look at it and you read it and you study it, it was used for anointing. This was olive oil. This oil was crushed. This oil, this oil come from the olive. This oil went through something. This oil represented Holy Spirit. This, this oil represented the anointing of God, the Holy Spirit. It represented the presence of God. That She said, all I got is this oil. All I've got is a little bit. She at least identified the fact that she still had some God in her home. Can I say this? Don't think that you're that far off. I'm sure there are some of us in here. You got some God. You still have some faith. Come on. You still got some Holy Spirit. You still got some belief. Come on. How many still got some belief? Come on. Can I get somebody just to have some? If y'all didn't raise your hand, you're in bad shape. Y'all need to go to Chuck E. Cheese. We still got some faith. We still got some Holy Ghost. We still got some want. We still got something. We got to just have, you know what? We need to have something for God to work with. Just give God something to work with. There are many times in my life that my faith is so small compared to the size of the giant that I'm facing. There are times in my life that my faith is so small and, that, and, and the problem that we're facing seems bigger than my provision. Do you remember when Jesus fed the multitudes? There were thousands of them in a field. They were in a deserted place. He turns around to them and says, what do you have to offer? Andrew, the brother of Peter, he, had a, he was spontaneous too. And he said, there's a boy over here. He's got a little bit of lunch. He's got a couple loaves of bread, a couple pieces of fish. But what are they among so many? And the boy gave what he had. The little that the boy had was all that he had. And when he gave all that he had, it multiplied into the hands of Jesus. You see, when we, even though what we think is little, even though what we think is maybe just a little bit of faith, when we give all that we've got, and we put it into the hands of God, God multiplies it. Then he says this to her. He says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go. I want you to leave your house, and I want you to go get empty vessels from all of your neighbors. I want you to go to get empty vessels from all your neighbors. But don't get a few. Get as many as you can. And so they went. Now watch this. And I can almost think about what she's saying. What she's thinking about as he's saying this, she's like, are you serious? I just told you that 
the bank is coming to repossess my children and you want me to go out and get jars. This doesn't make any sense. Can I tell you something? That when God asks you to do something, sometimes it just, it just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. It goes against the odds. Wait a minute. I need money. <laughs> I need provision. I need healing. And you want me to go out and get cups. Now you want me to go get jars. You want me to go out and, and bug my neighbors. You know, I don't want to ask nobody for help. You know, I, what do you want me to do? Can I say this? Faith takes action. Faith takes action. We can sit and we can pray and believe God and be mad. But if we're not doing anything about it, you see, we got to give God something to work with. So she's probably fighting this and, and her boys is probably just, mom, whatever you want to do. I don't know what to do. So you know what happens? She gets up. Come on, mom. I want you and your boys to go to everybody out here because every one of you has something to offer. Look underneath your seat. And I want you to go get vessels. Go to all your neighbors and get vessels and come back. Go to all your neighbors and get the vessels. Go. Go. Get vessels. Put feet to your faith. Put feet to your faith, mom. Put feet to your faith, dad. Come on, sons. Find vessels. Find vessels. And whenever you're done collecting them, I want you to come back home. After you're done collecting them, mom and two sons, as soon as you're done, I want you to hurry up and come back home. Come on, this is a process. All right, I want you to come on back. All right, mom, are you, you done? Dad, uh, mom, sons, are you done? Okay, I want you to come on back. Mom, take your seat. Sons, take your seat. Does anybody else got any vessels underneath your seat? Please look again. Are there any more vessels? If you got vessels, hold them up. There's all kind? All right, hold them up if you see more vessels. Don't leave. All right, just go ahead and have a seat. Now watch this. Elisha didn't say when to stop. He just said, go and get vessels. Now watch this. Watch this. Mom, he didn't say, for the, he didn't tell him just for the, the boys to go. He didn't say just for her to go. He just said, go. Now, what's important about this situation is that here's mom. She's being the spiritual example to her babies and say, listen, we got to go. We got to have some faith. I want you boys to trust me. That's why it's so important for mom and dad to serve the Lord because our babies are watching us. I heard the other day, who, was, who, who did Samson pray for? You. Out of his own head, he came to you and did what now? I drank Dr. Pepper, and he knew that it was bad for my stomach, and he got very upset and nervous for me that I drank Dr. Pepper, and he said, Baba, it's going to hurt your tummy, your stomach, and uh, his mom says, I have an addiction to Dr. Pepper, and so <laughs> then he laid hands on me, and he started praying for my belly and asked God to heal me. <laughs> we, nobody told him to pray. But he knew to pray. He knew that when we do that, something happens. 
Are you, are you, are you tracking what, I, what I'm saying here? That even though mom was in a bad situation, even though our family, maybe we're in a bad situation, but when our children see us act out in faith, our children will follow us. Our children will begin to follow us by faith. They may not understand. They may say they don't even want to go. Oh, come on, boys, we got to get to church. Come on, we got to go to the house of God. Well, mom, don't we, we need to pay our rent. We need to go to work. No, we got to get to the house of God first today. We got to go to the house. We got, we got to go to, we got to go to church. We got to go pray. We got to get around some other people that will help us pray in this situation. And when you get up, mom, and when you get up, dad, you go to church and, and you go follow the Lord. Oh, no, we got to go to this prayer meeting. We, I want to go serve with the homeless outreach. Oh, no, I want to go, go and witness to somebody. I want to pray with somebody today. And then when we get up and be, we begin to move out by faith, our children will then say, wow, okay, I want to have some faith too. And then other people will begin to see you having faith. And then all of a sudden, it begins to spread. But notice Elisha didn't say how many to get or when to come back. He said, go get vessels and go get many and then come back and bring them back to your house. Go everywhere from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Don't gather just a few. And when you have come back, shut the door behind you and your sons and pour, pour it into the vessels. Where's our oil at? And so here she is. And she begins to pour. Now watch, give, give, give the vessels to your sons. Give them. And she asked for one. Ask for one. You ask for one. We pour it in. And she keeps asking for vessels. Keep giving her one by one. We keep pouring. And the Bible said that she kept turning to her sons and asking for them. Keep giving her one by one. Keep giving her one by one. And she kept asking for vessels. And I'm thinking to myself that as she's pouring this, maybe her faith is increasing. You're like, look at this. The oil don't stop. And now her faith is growing. And now as she's thinking, she's like, wait a minute. I should have got more vessels. I shouldn't have stopped. Why did I stop so soon? Look how God is providing. Look what's happening. Look at the miracle. Look, what, look what's going on in my home. There's revival in my home. Look what God is doing. I thought it was hopeless. I thought, I was in, I thought my, my life was over. But look at how God is providing. And he's providing. And he keeps providing. And, I, and the Bible said, just give her all of it. Just the whole thing. Thank you. That's awesome. She asked for one more, but there were no more. You know what happened? The oil stopped. It stopped when there was no more empty vessels. Could it be that the size of the provision that God brings into our life relates to the size of my faith? Could it be that the way that the Holy Spirit flows in my life is according to the size of my faith? But because I stopped having faith, now the Holy Spirit stops flowing. Could it, could it be that the anointing of God and the Holy Spirit of God is not flowing in my life because... There's no more emptiness inside of me because I'm so full of myself. Remember, he asked for empty vessels. Could it be that the level of my emptiness determines the fullness of God inside of me? 
It's not that I need more of God because God is already big. It's not that I need God because he's so great already. It's that I need less of me. John the Baptist said he must now decrease. I must now decrease that he can increase in my life. John eleven thirty five. 35. And I ask you today, what's in your house? Is the Holy Spirit flowing in your home? Is the Holy Spirit flowing in your family? Is the Holy Spirit flowing in your children? Is the Holy Spirit flowing? Because now he turned to her and said, okay, now take this oil, take all this oil, and I want you to go to sell it and live off of it now. God supernaturally provided in a situation where she thought was hopeless. She was in a season of drought, in a dead season. But in this moment, she saw that God is the God of every season. In this moment, she discovered that God is the God in every season. That even in my, in my, in my times of drought, that I'll still bear fruit. That even though it's not raining, that I'm, my lease will still be green, Bible says in Isaiah. She discovered that he's the God of every season. That no matter what season that you're in, that no matter what season of your soul, God is the God of every season. Thank you, all three of you. Give it up for Jesus. Thank you. Go ahead and back to your seat. Blessed is the man. Jeremiah 17, 7 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They're like trees planted by the river with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. That when our roots go down deep, that when we're rooted and grounded into the Word of God, that no matter what tri season that you're in, and I know that maybe many of you are in different seasons, God is supposed to be spring. Why is it still cold outside? God, it's supposed to be a new season in my life, but why does it still look like the old one? Why am I still feeling the effects from the old season? I keep hearing it's a new season. I keep hearing Happy New Year, but God, it doesn't seem like it. It still seems like a continuation of 2017. I'm not even out of 18 yet. It just seems like a continuation of a year ago or two years ago. God, when is my new season? When am I going to get out? Can I say this? God is the God of every season. He's the God of every season. God is saying today, would you allow the Holy Spirit to flow again? Would you get empty of yourself? Would you allow yourself to empty? Say, God, I just I need the Holy Spirit to flow in my family again. Come on, right now, stand all over this place and pray. Come on, please don't miss this moment. I feel the Holy Spirit so strong in this. Come on, just raise your hands to God. God, I want the Holy Spirit to flow again in my life. Come on, I want the oil of gladness in my life again. I want the oil of gladness. I want the oil of God to flow in my family. Come on, do you want the oil of God to flow again? Come around these altars, come. Come, raise your hands. Come on, raise your hands all over this place. Come on, I want the oil of God to flow. I want the oil of God to flow. I want joy to flow again. I want Holy Spirit to flow again in my home. I want the Holy Spirit to flow again in my mind, in my my life. I want the Holy Spirit to flow again inside of me. Come on, raise your hands right now all over this place. Come on. Oil of God flow. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, God. 
Come on, Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus. Come on, Holy Ghost. 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 Come on, Holy